Welcome to episode number one of Untangling Christianity. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Greg. So I thought it'd be good on our first episode to talk about why we're here. Why are we doing this podcast? Why is it called Untangling Christianity? Uh, what, what we hope to maybe gain ourselves, but also would hopefully for the people listening to it. And so the, the, the idea of this came about a year ago. I was reading a book called Not a Fan by Kyle Edelman. I was having, there were certain parts of the book that I thought were, were good and helpful. And there were other parts that just, it felt like something was missing to me. And, and so, uh, I met Greg, oh, I don't know, 12 years ago at Libri Fellowship in Switzerland. We've been discussing ideas in Christianity since then, and I've always found Greg to be just a really uh, helpful person and friend in terms of unsorting things that were confusing me or troubling me, whatever. So anyway, I, I threw this book to him and I said, what do you think of this book and what something about this message just doesn't feel right to me, but I can't put my finger on it. So long story short, Greg and I started reading each chapter and talking about it, and I started recording them and learning the whole ins and outs of how to record a podcast. Uh, we're separated by several thousand miles, and so how to make that all work was a kind of a fun technical challenge for me. And uh, so anyway, I think you'll find that as you listen to these, the audio quality improves and we also, I think, hopefully find our groove a little bit more than some of those first episodes. But that's that's kind of the orientation. And, and I don't mm-hmm. know, do you want to talk a little bit about the name, Greg? I think you were the one that came up with it. I think we, we, we struggled a little bit with, with the name because I think we're trying to do a lot of things that we can't quite fit into a, a short name, you know, and trying to make something concise. Um I think for me, maybe what I can, I mean, that, that we had a discussion a couple of days ago, um, but what I'm trying to do here or what, what, what for me seems like the big thing, like when you, when you sent the book, um, I found that really helpful because I was getting back into, I just come out of, uh, my graduate degree and my research, uh, which is, you know, for in most cases, I explain it, the research as being about religious dialogue, how evangelical Christians can um, communicate with and be kind of in a positive, uh, you know, space, if you like, with people who don't believe the same things that they do. It doesn't mean that um, we fail to hold our beliefs, but that we're able to communicate in a way that isn't about saying to the other person, I'm right and you're wrong, which really isn't much about communication. It's just sort of a... It's a one-way conversation. Yeah, it's it's a way to shut down any type of communication. And I'm really big on opening up communication. I'd rather create some bridges, create some pathways between me and other people. And through that process, uh, which involves a lot of listening, um, have the opportunity, be given the opportunity to to speak. Because I think that that's much more meaningful and that allows for some real... Um, open some real possibilities for understanding other people, but also for, for change. And, um, and so when I thought about 
for me participating in this with you. I mean, it's just great to talk with you and talk about these ideas. We had a great time at, uh, you know, a hard time at many points, but a great time, I think, at, at Libri in Switzerland. Um, and this is, you know, somewhat continuing that. I guess about the name, though, what occurred to me is, you know, untangling Christianity. On the one hand, it's it's like, um, I guess I see it as three different things going on. On the one hand, it's diffusing a bomb. It's it's looking at some things which, for me, um, my Christian journey has been, you know, being a Christian for some seven years, and then I was not a Christian for another seven years. Uh, I rejected Christianity completely. Uh, I had numerous, um, you know, really poignant and powerful experiences of evil that just made me come to the conclusion that God was not as real as the evil I was facing. So why on earth was I believing in this God? There was no point. And then after those seven years, so that, that time, uh, you know, uh, happened, the, the last seven years, the close of that seven years happened to come when I was in Switzerland at Libri looking to, you know, get rid of God in a sense, to kind of be at peace with these, you know, idiotic Christians and their, their, their stupid beliefs and ideas and just kind of let them be in the same space as me and not have to get all wound up. Um, but of course, you know, um, that's not how it worked out. Um, against my, any intention I had seemingly, I had some, some really powerful new understandings of God and new experiences of God. And ultimately I was, I was faced with, uh, I would say just just outright uh, powerful, um, the most powerful kind of direction in those experiences and understandings was experiencing God as someone who who knows me more truly than I know myself and who loves me more deeply than I love myself and finding that to be the most utterly compelling thing that I have ever experienced. And um, out of that, um, it, it was very clear to me that you know, God and is much more real than um, you know my my frustration, my anger, and and ultimately than the evil that 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 forced me away from God, and that for me has just been um, it's been a complete polar star, you know, in terms of how I navigate my life, and uh, I definitely identify now as a Christian. Uh, the whole thing about diffusing a bomb is that one of the things that happened for me in that process of coming back to Christianity was that I was looking at some of these things in Christianity and saying, these are a real problem. This is, this is, this is painful stuff. This is destructive stuff. This is negative stuff. And so on the one hand, untangling Christianity is saying, all right, we, we've got a bomb here. We're going to diffuse that bomb. We're going to let some of that stuff go aside. We're going to put that aside. We'll talk about why it's a bomb and why we don't want it. The second step for me is unraveling like a massive snarl of something, but something useful like a garden hose or a cable you need to do something. And it's all snarled up and all tangled up. And we want to, we want to take that apart and we want to keep it, not, not, you know, cut it up and then try to tie it back together again, but untangle it literally. So we're, we're, we're keeping its integrity, but all of a sudden it's usefulness and it's, it's, it's helpfulness and value is much more apparent. And then the last step for me, and I, I mean this, it's the last step I say, but it's the first step for me personally. It's where I start. Um, is that we're finding a treasure. 
and I, and I, I, I deeply believe this because, uh, you know, whether you think it's corny, whether you think it's, uh, unrealistic, I, I really, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Um, uh, if people ask me why, uh, I am a Christian, it is, I, I give them the answer. I have fallen in love with God. I have fallen in love with this being who has shown me that this God loves me more, you know, more deeply than I love myself and knows me more truly than I know myself. That this experience I have of God is principally an experience of love and truth. Being loved in relationship, truth, being known truly by God who truly exists and truly and deeply cares for me. And um, this orientation is, that's my primary orientation. I'm not, the only reason I care about diffusing bombs and unraveling snarled garden hoses to, you know, follow the metaphor is because I am deeply in love with this, this God. And I believe in this God. I trust this God. I want to talk about this God out of a motivation of being in love. And so constantly, constantly, constantly through this entire thing, I am always going to be coming back to this idea that, um, you know, the, the greatest, and I'll use it in quotation marks, commandment is to love God with all that we are, to love ourselves and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That this reality of love is huge, but it's a reality that we experience first from God. And I think that experience is really important. And, and how that plays out, you know, it, it's not the same for every person. It's not every person that's going to have the type of experiences maybe that I had in Switzerland or that somebody else will say that they had or that we read about in certain books. Um, but I think the experiential part is really huge and it goes hand in hand with, you know, Bible reading and, and understanding what's in the text. But experience and relationship, um, those are really key and this whole idea of love and truth. And I guess that's where I'm coming from. And so for me with um, Untangling Christianity, it's about diffusing that bomb, unraveling that garden hose, and kind of revealing that treasure. Those are the three things that go into this for me. It starts with number three for me, but I think what has to happen for the listener and for you and me as we go through this is it starts with number one, with diffusing the bomb. Because for a lot of people, Christianity is a bomb. It's already blown up in their faces or it's this thing that threatens them. Or if it's not the bomb, then it's this, this garden hose. It's like, man, this is supposed to be helpful. It's supposed to be useful. But you know what? It's this big pain in the neck. How do I work with this thing? And, and it's, it's like, I know it's kinked over here and I got to go unkink it there and unkink it there. And I'm really getting no, nothing out of it. I'm getting no flow out of this. And why am I bothering? I think those two steps really are the first steps in order for us to get to the third step. And so I think what's going to happen for a lot of the podcasts, my hunch is we're going to spend a lot of time appearing, you know, to be um, against a lot of the things we're reading in some of these books. We're going to have a more negative slant. And I think it's going to take us time to bring out our more positive perspectives to really bring out, for me to bring out that presentation of God as a treasure. Um, because we have to clear some space for it. There's so much, all the space I think in our culture, uh, in, in North American perspectives on Christianity, 
it's like a table, right? And the table is full of stuff and there's nowhere for us to put our stuff down. And as soon as you start putting your stuff down, people go, oh, I know you. And you get pigeonholed. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think we're saying the same things. I, I don't think my experience of leaving Christianity, being away from it from a period and investigating it as a person who is antagonistic and who is, um, who's really not willing to accept stuff that doesn't work. And, and then ultimately saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to have any of this. And then just being surprised and, and, and deeply enticed by possibilities I had not expected, but which were so resonant with me and which were so resonant with my values as someone who is agnostic, someone who is searching, searching for truth, someone who, who wanted to be in right relationship with the people around him, someone who wanted to be in loving relationship you know, with my wife, later with my kids. Um, these are really powerful things. And I think that uh, ultimately when we clear some space on this table, which is like the whole presentation of Christianity and North American culture, we're going to have an opportunity to lay out, lay this out. And the whole treasure part of this is going to be much more apparent. And I, I just would hope that people who have any interest in this would could be patient with this process and realize that if we really are saying something that's different, if, and if we really do have to, then we really do have to, pardon me, clear away some of the stuff so that we can make a space for the different thing that we're wanting to put down on this table. And that, that's a process. It's definitely a process. And I think some of the hesitancy I've had of, of putting this out there is that I see this as kind of a maybe an unusual podcast. Most of the podcasts and things that I listen to out there, people already have the answers. Mm -hmm. um, just speaking for myself, I'll, I'll just be really clear. I don't have all the answers. I, I'm not even sure that we always have all the answers or that when we're critical of, of a book that we're reading or an idea, we may get it wrong. And mm -hmm. the best thing that can come out of that is a, is a conversation, is a dialogue, a thoughtful mm -hmm. dialogue. Not mm -hmm. a, as you were saying earlier, uh, I'm right and you're wrong, but helping both sides to kind of find what's really true here. So, and, mm -hmm. and speaking just to, uh, in terms of my background and my orientation, grew up in a Christian family, went to a Christian college, uh, worked in a secular workplace. Things didn't really turn out in that secular workplace the way that they had been explained to me that they would in terms of... Um, people wanting or needing or being interested in God mm -hmm. uh, and and the notion that uh, being a Christian was the most satisfying, uh, joyful, add all the positives you can, way to live. That wasn't happening for me. And, and the people around me that weren't were, as far as I could see, and in some cases I'd still say to this day, living more satisfying, fulfilling lives. And mm -hmm. so I questioned a lot of uh, what I had grown up with and, and a lot of what I had kind of tried to believe, but it had never really, I don't know, become real for me in my experience. And so that was why I went to Labrie. Since Labrie, I've done a ton of reading and uh, conversations with you and other people. And I would say, you know, if someone were to say, well, are you a Christian? I would say that I mentally assent to a, a lot of mo 
I don't have any I don't have any contentions with what's in the Bible. I I believe that the Bible is true. The the part that's still missing for me though is is kind of the lived out reality and the lived out experience. And so getting back to what I was saying about this being an unusual podcast, I see this podcast in some ways it's kind of capturing the steps that I'm taking and the searching that I'm doing and and trying to put the pieces together. And I got to believe that if I've been as tripped up and hung up on some things as I have been, there's got to be one other person in the world that has to, maybe two, maybe three, I don't know. My hope is that the stuff and the pain that I've gone through here can help someone else. And yeah. so, yes, I I, th- I think it's really important to be clear that, that you and I are, are not coming from, like, we haven't set up this podcast because we have this agenda and, you know, you and I are going to do this like fake back and forth thing to like convince people that we have like the answers to everyone. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I feel like given the study and your own experiences, Greg, that, that you're way farther down the path than I am. And I look forward to learning things from you. I don't think, and I think it's also, I want to be clear too, that just because we're doing this together doesn't necessarily mean that I always agree with what Greg says or that I totally get it. So I think that's natural and I think that's totally fine. So this is a, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think each of us is perhaps getting different things out of the experience too and brings different things to the experience. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, the, the kind of tying back to how this all kicked off, it was, again, it was for me reading, not a fan, hoping to find answers, but kind of immediately being turned off and and somewhat dismayed by the message and and just feeling like this is really familiar this is really formulaic and there's really something missing here but I can't quite put my finger on it I I I feel that I need to reject this but I'm given the way that that Christian culture and a lot of these books are set up there's really no way to reject the message there's kind of a built-in guilt trip or a built-in something that says you have to accept this message because if you're not accepting this message, you're rejecting God or uh, there's, I wouldn't want to say there's something wrong with you, but that, I'm not trying to say, is that, is that making sense? Is there, is there a better way to explain that? Are, are you, well, are you coming at it, the, the whole idea? Are you talking about the books? <clears throat> not a fan's message. Or are you talking about how, because it, it's got a lot of different pieces in it, but or are you talking about the idea that um, about accepting God that it puts forward? The basic sort of I you can like accept I've, God and go to heaven, or you can. And, yeah, I, I kind of feel like the 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 way these books are set up. Like I feel like I'm not a fan. It's kind of set up as you know, you can either you know follow God and go to heaven, or be a fan and not end up in heaven and be totally shocked on judgment day. So which one do you want to choose? Right. And, and, it's, and the, it's kind of the, it's kind of set up so that there's kind of like, there's the smart choice and there's a really stupid choice and who and wants to be stupid? Want? Yeah. Yeah. That's how, so, and, and I think as it just as we're talking, I think for me at a deeper level, that feels manipulative. That feels like I'm not able to arrive at this on my own in my own process in the own way that, my mind works and I put things together in my past, it's no, here's the answer. 
-hmm. And are you a fan or are you a follower? Mm -hmm. It's that simple. It's not that simple. And that so one other thing that might be unusual about this podcast, and I think you've already touched on it, which is I think a lot of our discussion is is negative. Um, but I, I don't want to say negative. I want to say a term thrown around at work, you know, and during performance reviews is constructive criticism. That's really yeah. what I would hope this would be. Yeah. That, yes, we get frustrated. There are a lot of things that we've read that we don't agree with or, or you know, that I've kind of raised as there's something that just doesn't seem right about this. So mm-hmm. we're trying to we're trying to untangle it. We're trying to untangle what is what is missing or harmful in this message because mm-hmm. these these messages don't just exist in this book. I, as far as I can see in my experience, they're everywhere in churches today. And I think yeah. they're, they're just assumed to be true and you can't, yeah. they're assumed to be true and they've been around for so long and they're so kind of baked into the system that you can't really question them. Well, and I think the good thing about our approaches is what I hear a lot from you is I hear frustration. You know, they're telling me this works and this doesn't work. And when you hear me, on the other hand, and I'll sometimes get angry, you know, so or or I'll really get ramped up. And and again, it's this this sort of, hey, this, there's this beautiful, fantastic thing here, and it's being obscured or tarnished or cast in a light that makes it look ugly. And that really that really makes me angry. It really 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 upsets me because I'm like, wow, this is incredible. This has changed my life. And, you know, I was, uh, I was so skeptical that I completely, not skeptical, I was so, so convinced of its um, falseness. And not just that it was false, not just some intellectual proposition, but that it was this base, destructive, life-sucking lie that I, I gave it up. And I lived without it for seven years. And in many ways, I, there were some really good things about those seven years of not being a Christian, better things than about being a Christian. The reality is I came back and I came back for a reason and I came back because the reality of that beauty and truth and love is greater and stronger and fuller. And so I guess what I'm saying is on the, on the one hand from you, I'm sensing I, I, when I hear the kind of, if you like, the constructive criticism coming from you, it's coming from a place of frustration. For me, it's coming from a place almost of longing. I, I want to be able to present this and to bring this out and to say, look at this beautiful thing. It's like, it's like when you, when you, uh, you know, if you've got kids, you can relate to this. But if somebody says something negative about your your kid, or somebody says something negative about kids in general, maybe that's a better way of doing it. And or 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 even if they don't know that you have children and you you you've just you know your, your kids are young or they're new or they're just born, and you you have this like complete um lack of uh uh self-consciousness about being completely promoting for your kids you you you're you're so in love with them and you you are so over the moon with them and you know i guess for me my experiences with god go back to that the 1999 in switzerland and also to 1996 so 14 and 17 years ago and i'm still over the moon about that stuff and so i guess i what i and this is a long way of saying it, but your approach and my approach together just seem to, for me, when I listen to us, it, it just seems to really um, 
I don't know, cover, cover, not cover a lot of the spectrum, but really offer a, a really kind of full sense of, I guess, the different motivations for people to kind of, um, you know, want to get closer to this material, want to get a better handle on it. Other because, you know, it's, it's either frustrating or it's like, yeah, this really does work. And yet there are things about it, the presentation we're reading in these books that for me are so undercutting of what the beauty and the truth and the love that I've experienced in God that. Uh, well, the other part, there, I think there's a few dimensions now that you mention it. Yeah, there's definite frustration. I mm. think there's also a profound level of confusion huh. that. That. If you read the Amazon reviews for Not a Fan or uh-huh, yeah. Crazy Love, people, these books have been transformative to people. Mm, yeah. So for me, reading a book like this where it is completely not transformative, it makes me frustrated. It makes me somewhat angry. It makes me even more confused to say, wait, this message seems so one-sided, not balanced, in the case of not a fan, fairly poorly supported by the scriptural references that are used. Mm-hmm. How is it <laughs> How is it that God can be appearing to be working in these other people's lives and they've been moved by this book and it's brought them closer to God and... In some ways, I feel like I've kind of been trying to find God my whole life and haven't quite found him yet. Mm-hmm. And how is it that they have that experience from this book and I'm not? Like, and, mm. and of course, the conclusion that I come to is, well, there's something wrong with me. Well, the more we talk, the more I guess I'm realizing, yeah, there are parts of me that are wrong and, and broken, that we all have them. But there's also something about this message that's just broken. Now, yeah. how you reconcile the fact that someone, you know, can say on Amazon and give it a five-star review and say, wow, this book took me to a higher level and, and brought me closer to God. I want to be really clear. I am not questioning that at all. I, I got to give that person the benefit of the doubt. They had that experience. Mm-hmm. I've had mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in the same way, I'm, I'm also hoping people can value my own experience and say, well, for whatever, for whatever reason, it hasn't happened for you. Maybe in some fun way, this podcast will kind of capture the steps of that happening. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and I think I'm also not, uh, I mean, you raise a really good point about confusion and, and, I don't know, 250, uh, um, however many there are, five-star reviews for Not a Fan on Amazon. But you also mentioned, and I think the reason that um, you came across, well, um, one of the things, uh, certainly maybe the reason I came across a couple of the books that that I did that we might touch on later in this podcast series um, was looking at the one-star reviews. And, um, you know, the one-star reviews were often really... um, some of them were really, really insightful, you know, and I'm not saying the five-star reviews weren't, but I guess for me, um, because I've gone through this process in my own life of saying, Hey, you know, this totally doesn't work. I've gone from being, you know, Christianity is five stars to Christianity is zero stars to Christianity is, you know, it's five stars and then some, it's all that in a bag of chips. 
um, <laughs> that I, on the one hand, would value people who give five-star reviews for the books that we are giving one-star reviews for. I value that. But on the other hand, I still have some questions for them. And I am not questioning their Christianity. I'm not questioning their experience, but I, I have questions. And I've, I've got to, got to be honest, you know, those, those, those questions, I'm going to keep asking those questions. And I have those questions for, for Christians I meet, you know, and, and, and I find that, um, you know, I, I guess, I guess I would say too, that I don't know, this is all sort of complicated and, and, and it's all very involved and it, uh, takes a lot of years to kind of work out. And so while a lot of people give five-star reviews on Amazon, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I believe that probably this book has transformed them. But I guess I wonder about the nature of that transformation. Because I was certainly transformed as a Christian before. It was not like I was some sort of false Christian or some ridiculous notion for the first seven years when I was a Christian. I was certainly transformed. But I'm a very different person now. I have a very different relationship with uh, God, with myself, with people around me, with the physical world that I live in. And uh, there's, there's no question of which one I prefer, which one I think is the better choice, which one is the more, if you want to say it this way, more Christian choice. I, I don't think God loves me or has loved me in any, in any sense differently now versus then. And I don't think that I was trying less hard then, but there was, a, there is a difference. And, and so I want to respect the people who have been, who've read these books and found them transformative, but, but I want to respect my own experience and the, the years and time and struggle and pain, uh, and consideration and study. Uh, that I've been through and, and ultimately that's going to come out. I hope it's going to come out towards those people as questions, probably as hard questions, not as, um, you know, accusations, but as uh, hopefully inviting questions that will invite their participation. And I hope that that's, that's what this podcast does that it, you know, as you said, there's got to be at least one or two or three people in the world who are in the space you're in. And I'm hoping that for those who find themselves fairly securely in the space of, of writing a five-star review for not a fan or for crazy love or for follow me or et cetera, that, um, that they would really engage with and take on these questions. And I, I, I'll never know how they answer them. That's not really my deal. That's their deal. But I hope that uh, listeners would, uh, would seriously consider them. Because I think, again, again, and I guess the reason I'm saying that is because I've come from a place of transformation from a Christianity to a Christianity. I don't think I wasn't saved before to be black and white. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But there was something that was wrong, something that was just wasn't jiving, wasn't me being able to engage with the fullness of what this text is and with the fullness of who God is that now I think I've got. I'm older, yes, I've gone through and done a graduate research degree in theology and uh, philosophy, sure. I've had, you know, two full years, six semesters of study at Labrie 
in Switzerland in a fairly academic environment, you bet. But all of that, I think, um, is not necessary for the types of things that it's not essential for the types of change that I've undergone. And my hope then is for people who are coming to this, who are very securely five-star fans of these books, um, to allow themselves to really be in a space where some of those understandings can be put into question, not because um, me as a, as a questioner, as a person being critical of these books, doesn't love God and doesn't believe in God, but exactly the opposite. Well, yeah, and I, I, what, what struck me as you were saying that too is as we – my criticism of these books and the things that we've read is that the Christian life and understanding and relationship with God feels very limited, very mm-hmm. narrow, very um, – harder than it needs to be. I don't know quite how to put it. So yeah. so to your notion of giving the, the five-star reviewer something to think about, yeah, I, I, yes, in the sense that, okay, you're a five-star reviewer and, and this really rocked your world, and but are you... <laughs> Are you making this all harder than it needs to be? I think that's my my criticism of some of what we've read is mm-hmm. this is making knowing and experiencing and living in the presence of God way harder than it needs to be and and not as potentially life-giving as it could be. So mm-hmm. consider a different consider some other options here. Maybe the options presented in this book while helpful on one level, are not as helpful as they could be. So that's what this podcast is going to be about, we think. (laughs) I wanted to include another unintended podcast uh, conversation that I was having with Greg about the potential critical nature of our podcast. Uh, As I've told several people about what we've been doing and what we're thinking of doing and how things have kind of evolved one of the constant critiques that I've received, mostly by people, in fact, I think all by people that haven't heard anything <laughs> that we've done yet, is the concern that we're going to be too negative or that we're going to just kind of uh, be critical all the time, that that this this show is just going to be about critiquing and, and tearing other people and and books down that's really not our intention i think gray kind of sums up well the the approach and and kind of why and and how we're wanting to go about doing that so here is thoughts well you know and this is a good i'm glad uh i'm glad this is i'm glad we're talking about that part of it you know because in terms of the process or maybe the the orientation like saying that's a negative orientation and it's a destructive or a, a deconstructive orientation I guess you know I've thought about that a lot and uh, it was interesting because I was I was back thinking about Shannon Platt and last night and I don't know how I wish the context was clear in my head of how this came to me but um, it occurred to me that 
I am not only responsible, so following them and their whole multiply movement, I'm not only responsible as a Christian, if you want to use that word responsible, we'll just kind of hang it out there for now. I don't know. I'm just kind of putting it out there loosely. It's not only something that's part of being a Christian, let's say it that way, to, to, to talk to other people, but there's, I think there's something about preparing other people as well. And I think oftentimes we see this as God's role. You know, God's going to prepare their hearts. God's going to do this and do that. And I think, again, this is a, this is a mistake in that we're seeing the, we're kind of viewing everything from the perspective of first century Palestine, from the perspective of the New Testamental times. There's no need to prepare people back then. They, they, Paul didn't have to go, okay, now settle down. I'm going to talk about a God here, right? There was, there was none of that. There's no preparatory stuff. If you look at the Mars Hill thing and, um, I think it's Acts 7 or is it Acts 11? I don't know. One of those two. Um, there, there's no preparatory action. There's no prefacing. There's no explanation. There's explanation of who this God is, but not that it is a God. Not that we're talking about the divine. And so part of my responsibility here in this multiply thing is not only to talk about, if you like, Jesus, but to prepare a space and to prepare people to receive this idea, not to accept it, not to kind of believe it, not to trust it, but for it to be a possibly viable notion at all. And I think that's what you and I are doing here. I see this as a lot of what we're doing. And in order to prepare that groundwork, we have to clear away some of the stuff that's there. Because if, if, if that stuff as soon as people hear us talking about God, Jesus, Christianity, all they're hearing is they're, they're, they've got this pre-existing filter, which the people in first century Palestine did not have. That was not part of their experience, their cultural understanding. This is all brand new. Who, who is this Jesus guy? This is some, some uh, you know, rabbi, some you know, potential prophet. But now you're sort of construing him as being God. I mean, this is what, – what are you guys talking about? You know, and it wasn't this sort of, you know, for the Jews, it was this, what are you talking about? Stop talking. But for others, it was, what are you talking about? Explain this to me. But there was no sense, and I don't get this anywhere, whether in a Jewish culture, in a, in a Greek culture, anywhere in first, the first century a Palestinian context, where there was this culture of, I've heard it all before. I already know what you're talking about. You give me the word Jesus and it's like you've given me an entire snapshot of who you are. You can shut up and go away now. Or, you know, the other hand on the positive side is I've already got Jesus. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. You know, I've already, I, I, I paid at the office. Thanks. I'm not contributing. That sort of idea. And so I think when it, we're talking about us, you know, looking at books like Not a Fan, looking at books like um, Crazy Love, uh, or Follow Me um, by you know Francis Chan or David Platt. What we are doing is a very necessary step of not only talking about God, but of preparing people, preparing the ground for the type of conversation we're having. Because this is a different conversation, and it cannot be understood as being such, as being a different conversation without making the distinctions between what we're saying and what's out there. And that is going to require a lot of um, what many people would potentially 
view as negative responses because we're looking at what's there and we're saying, hey, you know what? This doesn't work. And here's why. And we're going to dig a little deeper into this. And we're still going to have a, a fairly uh, negative view if, if that's how we see it because we're trying to get beyond this. And there is no way to get beyond this without going through it. We're not going around it. We're not going under it. We're not ignoring it. We are going right through it. And that's going to take time. It may be um, unpalatable to certain people, even offensive. But I think ultimately if people are willing to listen, if people are willing on the one hand to be open-minded if these are books that they think are just, you know, the cat's meow, uh, I think I think we can raise some questions right off that are going to keep listeners engaged. You know, um, if we think of not a fan, his whole emphasis or avoidance, if you like, the, his his emphasis on uh, Christianity as reward and punishment, and his avoidance of ideas like, uh, you know, uh, the greatest commandment is to love God with all that we have. Love is is starkly missing in that book. And also the notion in, in uh, that book that um, everything is painful, everything's difficult. And yet we have this really specific uh, uh, statement in the Gospels uh, in Matthew, you know, when Jesus says, my, 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 my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And that is completely missing. And so there's some of these contrasts that are real, viable, necessary tensions within Christianity and they're they're ignored in these books, and I think they're ignored because these books are taking they're leaning one way, and I think Christianity that is vibrant and real, where we engage deeply and truly with God um, doesn't have to lean one way or the other. It can encompass everything that's in the New Testament, and it doesn't have to exclude certain parts and that for me, when I think things are being excluded it, that's uh, ringing some warning bells. Thanks for tuning in to Untangling Christianity. For show notes, more about this podcast, and other resources, check out our website at untanglingchristianity.com. Tune in next week for a new episode. Music on this podcast is made available by Kevin McLeod over at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Thanks to Kevin for his generosity. Support him at his website by going to incompetech.com, I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com.